feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman. Women. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non-binary. Binary. Binary. Jacob Gamble. Join, Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on Tree CR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. God is a trans woman. Welcome to another episode of Coring the Air. My name is Sasha Sidek and my pronouns is she. Just she because I will never be her. <laughs> um, you will be with me and my guests um, today, Anas, Tommy and also Matthew from 3 to 4 p.m. to discuss on the upcoming Pride Festival in Whittlesea and also um, the case of Kimberly McRae. Um, before I start, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And I would like to extend my respect to our trans elders, past and present. So um, this um, um, see Pride Festival that is happening sometime next month um, in May. So um, it's, uh, it's a community connection and partnering organization um, that have come together to plan the first ever Whittlesea Pride Festival. So, um, and um, they invite you to come to be part of the magic and they transform the stadium into a vibrant rainbow of color, music and dance. And also there will be something for everyone to enjoy at the Pride Festival, as they said, like, of course, it's going to be delicious food from the trucks um, and um, some sort of activities. Um, and um, they're also committed to creating a welcome and safe environment uh, space for everyone from the Rainbow um, family and anyone with cultural background identity. And you know what? I think I will let um, the organizers to uh, talk about this a bit more. So um, let's welcome Anas and Tommy. Hi, Anas. Hi, Hi Tommy. Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Hi, darling. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. It's no a privilege, problem. Honestly. Oh, by the way, eat Mubarak. I to eat you. Mubarak to you too, Sasha. <laughs> Anas. To thank prep. you. So, um, Let's talk about eat first. Like, what did you do um, yesterday with eat? Absolutely. So, mm. eat for me is all about catching up with family. Honestly, so I mm-hmm. did spend some time with my friends. I had them over for dinner, and it was lovely. But nice. for me, first and foremost, it's about spending some time, even a couple of hours, over the phone with fam and catching up because it really it was a huge part of my growing up. Whether it be um, fasting for Ramadan yes. or Eid prayers or ideas and buying new clothes for yeah. Eid as well. <laughs> that was the biggest thing. And I made sure I had some time for that too. So I went over to Meyer 
nice. I had a couple nice. of hours where I just indulged, it's cheated bit, myself. It, it's probably a bit different um, celebrating it over here compared to um, back home, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because the streets just absolutely shut down. Yeah. So I grew up um, between Abu Dhabi and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So I spent the majority of my childhood in the UAE. Mm-hmm. And it is, of course, an Islamic country. Mm-hmm. And when Ramadan and Eid come around, the streets absolutely shut down. Yeah. Decorations everywhere. Restaurants all prepared for. Mm-hmm. It's a, a different world. It for is, a month, isn't it? Basically. Even like in um, Southeast Asia, it's the same too. I, yeah. I'm from Singapore. So during Ramadan, we have like a big bazaar, mm-hmm. Ramadan bazaar. And it's like food every. I don't know why these people like literally goes there almost every day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a kid, it was very exciting for me. But as an adult, I, I can just do it once, like a month. And exactly. that's it. Exactly. I can't do it every, every weekend. Completely. And it's so hard to find that same kind of taste of that magic over here, honestly. Mm. And it wasn't until actually coming across the group Bridge Meals yes. that I was able to find some of that magic the, here. Uh, the project that we've been involved together, uh, the Queer Iftar here in Melbourne. Um, um, and um, it was a success. Um, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so I've been involved with the group for just over a year now. And okay. it's a group focusing on um, providing support for queer refugees and asylum seekers. Mm. And gosh, our last iftar was just <gasps> such a hit. I know. So it was a room full of queer um, community members and allies kind of celebrating the rich diversity of our community. And that's absolutely the vision that we have yeah. for the Whittlesea Pride Festival too. You know what? The, that room was filled with a lot of love um, from what I can um, feel. And I was surprised that I was greeting people from downstairs, and then and um, journalists uh, from ABC, and then just turn up, and Hopefully then after that, um, and SBS with with their microphone, I was like, oh, <laughs> I said, like, who'd invite you? They said, no, we invite ourselves. Mm. Oh, this. So <laughs> 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 um, okay, so yeah, so let's talk about this Whittle C um, Pride Festival. Um, um, Tommy, maybe you want to talk a little bit about uh, what this uh, Pride Festival is all about? Absolutely. So, look, the overall aim of the Pride Festival is really being able to really promote inclusion and really celebrating um, the unique qualities, attributes, all of the beautiful people living mm. in the city of Whittlesea who identify as LGBTIQA+, plus, as We recognise that like a lot of the LGBTIQA plus specific events like the Pride March and Midsummer Mm. are predominantly held like in the city side and me being a local resident of Whittlesea, I've always like wondered about, you know, my my council wanting to, you know, have a celebration of our community in the area Um, and it's just been such a lovely opportunity um, to be part of the preparations for this event, working alongside Anas, WC, mm. Whittlesea Community Connections and Whittlesea Council with being able to make it the biggest, most festive event our local council has seen and really being able to increase that visibility in the air, like in our area, knowing that um, there is that recognition, there is that support like for our community to be a part of. So I'm actually co-emceeing the event, so oh, um, which is really exciting. Because no surprise. Absolutely. <laughs> 
you know me, like, you know, once the mic is on, I am ready yes. to go, literally. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really blessed and really grateful to have been given this opportunity to really be part of such an incredible celebration and really getting everybody to fluff their auras and really be Mm-mm. proud of who they are and not letting the negative vibes stop them from achieving their biggest aspirations. So mm. it's just a vibe. Absolutely. We're so lucky to have Tommy on as one of the co-MCs for the event. And that's absolutely the main focus that we have is celebrating um, queer and POC performers, businesses, food trucks, um, as well as that issue of accessibility is such a huge point because mm. really all the events that we know of that are big in Melbourne are in the CBD. And especially for young LGBTQ plus people in Whittlesea, yeah. that presents a huge accessibility issue. So we're trying to bring some of that pride and joy and celebration to the northern suburbs of Melbourne. And um, this will be the first ever Pride Festival. It is. In- it's the inaugural yes. Whittlesea Pride Yo. Festival. Yes. So it's a big one. Yeah. And that's why, like, we're really going all out mm-hmm. with making it the most memorable event Whittlesea has ever seen. And, and really being able to indulge in celebrating and, and recognising, like, the, the importance of this event for our community. And is there um, a big... Um, rainbow community in Whittlesea? Absolutely. All right. Sure. So there always, there tends to be, um, um, people tend to forget about the queer communities outside of the CBD, but yeah. absolutely, even as part of our work. So I work for a nonprofit called Whittlesea Community Connections, mm-hmm. and the majority of my role is involved around kind of operations, but my pride and joy is I'm able to co-facilitate a rainbow group at a local secondary school. Mm. And that group is full of same-sex attracted, trans, and gender diverse students all in the city of Whittlesea. And it's just the most amazing group of kids. So they were involved in co-planning the festival as well. Ah, Some of them are going to be volunteering on the day too. And we're just really kind of working with the group at its inception. That was the main drive for us, making sure that we had some kind of celebration that they could actually go to. Mm -hmm. Because the kids in that group, they couldn't actually go to the Midsummer Pride March or the Midsummer Carnival. Mm. So this is kind of their only chance to go to a big event in the area. And hopefully it can become even bigger and bigger in future years too. Yes, I hope so. Um, you know, um, the LGBT community has been under attack, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what about um, the safe um, space? Like, uh, are you creating um, some sort of like securities for mm-hmm. this event? Absolutely. So safety is our highest priority for mm. this event. Unfortunately, there's been some un, some negative backlash, as you know, at Pride events in the CBD. Oh, okay. Not with OC. No, no, no. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you even haven't even started yet. <laughs> no. Well, unfortunately, to be honest, there is, as part of kind of the social promotion for the event, there has been some backlash, mm. even for our event, even though it's the first one of its kind. Unfortunately, some people are uncomfortable with the idea of... Um, intersectional identities and people expressing all the different <laughs> backgrounds they come from. Um, so, yeah, it's... It triggered their masc- um, their, their, themselves, their, the masculinity. Yeah, absolutely, the fragile masculinity. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> but it is, it just speaks to how important the event is yeah. and how needed it is for the area. But absolutely, there's been some unfortunate backlash at Pride events in the CBD. Mm. Some events have even been cancelled. That's due to kind of far-right protests and even neo-Nazi demonstrations. But for us, we made sure that we picked a venue that could meet our safety needs. 
absolutely. that could protect the performers, the attendees, mm. and we absolutely will have professional security at the event too. And we're in talks with um, Vic Police where needed. However, yeah. um, we're we're taking our own security rather a private security form. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I do have to say, like, throughout the planning process, a really big topic that's been discussion from the initial stages is around the safety of mm. the audience, but also, um, like, performers, um, MCers, but also everybody, in, like, that's going to be there, like, to make sure that it's a safe, like, a safe place. Yeah. And that way, like, we can continue with being able to indulge in the celebratories while having all of these protocols in place that are really implemented and being able to address any um, any um, oppressive practices um, that may that may come. Um, I'm pretty sure and I really hope they don't, which I'm pretty like which I'm very confident that with the measures that we have in place that we've got everything down packed, making sure that the event is gonna be full throttle and we're rising to it. Yes. You know, why why would why do we have to um step backwards when we're moving forwards? We're not that's not what we're um, about we're all about being able to go full steam ahead, have these protocols in place, and and be able to make sure that everybody has a great time. Who doesn't like a party, right? Absolutely. Especially by uh, the LGBT community, we create the best party ever. Oh, for sure, right? We and I don't understand know. why um, these haters gonna hate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, 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 they definitely, you know, um, probably shit at parties. <laughs> probably like, just put some white sage on them and then they'll cleanse their soul. So, um, how long does it take to plan this? Oh gosh, it's been such a long process <laughs> for us. It's been several months in the making this okay. event as well. So especially with kind of the safety concerns that we had mm. around Pride events, we wanted to make sure that uh, should we go ahead, we did it right and we make it as safe and accessible as possible. Mm-mm. So we conducted kind of a series of consultations with community members, with activists. We have so many partner organizations on board as well and we're so happy that they share our same vision for mm. inclusivity and Pride in the LGA. But it been. It's been several months in the making to make this event possible, and we're so happy that it's just around. And the do you want to have um, to shout out any names that has been involved in this? Yes, absolutely. So, of course, even from our own organization, the main organizers, Catrice, Tony, and Sarah, they've mm. been so crucial. But our whole event planning committee, so that includes Tommy Aww. and Joe from Banyul Community Health, but all our other fantastic partners too. So that's of course the City of Whittlesea Council, as well as as DPV Health, mm-hmm. Kids First Australia, and some other beautiful partners that you can see on our event flyer. But I didn't mention this actually, the specific day and time for the event. Yes. So that's May 7th mm. for the festival. It's at the International Meadow Glen Athletic Stadium, and it's from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Okay. So if you just search for Whittlesea Pride Festival Eventbrite, uh, that's the best way for you to find your tickets quickly. We are requiring registration for the event and tickets will be checked upon entry. It's just one of the many kind of safety measures that we've put in place to make sure it runs as smoothly and safely as possible. Amazing. Well, we'll have that link on our website later on. Um, Matthew here um, from Sex Work Law Reform. Um, Matthew, are you going to go to the uh, festival? Because I am. Well, I've, I'm, I'm a convert. I hadn't even heard of the festival before today, okay. and now I'm keen to go. Yes, <laughs> the energy. And I believe as well, uh, with Sex Work Law Reform, has also um, worked with Whittlesea, um, or is it in the past, or is it currently? 
We asked the council a question about street-based sex work in the local area, and we got an answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, maybe you can um, come and maybe meet the council there. The council is invited to the Pride Festival, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, always happy to chat to, to people in council, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that would be good. So... Um, I'm definitely coming. Um, yeah, me and Jacob, we already talked about it, so we're definitely coming. Um, we always we always turn up for parties anyway. Yes. <laughs> Literally, well, the moment they asked me to be the co-MC for the event was like the first moment I went, okay, what am I going to wear? And literally, yes. I've got I've got my outfit prepared. Okay. Like literally, it's been months, like months, months since I bought okay. the outfit. Okay. Because, you know, like, <laughs> like you've got to like – being in the community, like, you've got to be able to shine it up and be as glistening as you can be. Yes. So, organisation is key. So, um, do, do you, does um, attendees have a dress code? Do you ask them to wear something um, sequined? celebrate your best self. Yes. That's the dress Love that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, there's going to be a performances as well, you said? Um, is there, yes. like, a drag queen shows? Absolutely. Oh. So, we have upwards of eight drag performers eight. for the day as well. Wow. We have dance groups. We have um, other variety performances planned on the day. And that's just on the main stage. So, so even outside of so the main stage. So how many stages are there? So actually, we're going to have the main stage with the performers, uh-huh. but then also a stalls and activities area. So that's going to have our partner organizations. They're going to be running each of their own stalls. Mm-hmm. And that includes things like uh, mosaic painting, perfume making, badge making. Uh, we'll have some vendors hopefully as well from LGBTQ plus businesses mm-hmm. so even outside of the amazing performers that we have lined up there's something for everyone to do so we'll mm. have family friendly activities across the whole stadium including even things like drag story time by one of our performers okay. too and we'll have a recycled fashion runway so, so wow so festival attendees so is there come. awards oh yes yeah. so actually, <laughs> actually the festival attendees um, will be able to go create their own outfits at this design workshop and then even model their outfits, hopefully, on the main stage on the Wait, day is too. this from Fast Fashion? It's it's very inspired by Fast Fashion. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> because I know um, I've attended uh, a couple of their events and amazing. I thought it was amazing. It's like um, recycling all the clothes and sustainable fashion. So is that what you um Absolutely. It's going the same for? vision, same inspiration. It's making sure we embed kind of sustainable practices mm-hmm. and just encourage people to be as creative and open with the designs as they can. So mm. we thought it was a brilliant idea that we'd love to kind of have at our festival too. Well, this is jam-packed. Mm. Like, you're going to have it at the stadium. So you're going to make full use of the whole stadium. Stadium is really big though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to try to kind of uh, position all the different activities and food trucks in a way where people can kind of navigate the space mm. as comfortably and freely as they can. But absolutely, there's going to be things all over the stadium for everyone to enjoy. Mm, amazing. And do, do you know how many food trucks are going to be there? Yes, at this stage, yeah. we have definitely at least three food trucks on the day. Uh-huh. But hopefully we're going for even a fourth food truck so keep a close eye out on the event are you able to tell um, where what food are they serving or maybe their restaurant's name do we call it restaurants (laughs) (laughs) business name (laughs) oh Sasha that's the vibe Um, I'll have to say like about the food trucks like Mm. go all out Mm. like whatever's there and tickles your fancy literally like 
there's going to be a good very like variety there like from what from what we know through the planning process um but a lot of a lot of the like performances and a lot of the activities happening are, are really about being able to like initiate community involvement and community participation mm-hmm. particularly given like the the length of how long the festival is going to be for we want to be able to make sure it is interactive it is inclusive and people are really being able to make the most out out of the day with mm. the variety of activities that are going to be going on okay so talking about inclusivity um does the food have uh different dietaries as well yes <laughs> just checking you know <laughs> a lot of people are turning vegan these days so yes, yeah <laughs> like we're doing the quote if so we need to have vegan vegetarian and me mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. it's gotta be it can't be too tomato short of a salad as i say it's gotta be fair for everybody <laughs> that's it um and everyone are welcome, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's a family-friendly event. All ages are welcome. We know that that's a point of contention, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for mm-hmm. some community members to involve kind of kids at drag events. Yeah. But we, we made it sure that that was an important point to push through with our event, is saying that drag can absolutely be family-friendly and all ages are welcome at an event that highlights queer POC drag performers. Amazing. Yes, I'm excited. I'm thinking... I already have having all these visions what to wear. <laughs> I feel like I've got inspiration. I need to for win that. that. I need to win that fashion show. <laughs> and you'll get to see me and yes, the KMC Frida wait. on the stage as well. Yeah, and we're going to make sure that is the most interactive, most lively experience for the audience, but also the performers, including myself. Mm-hmm. So because I love just getting the crowd together, I actually remember. We, when we went to the Pride March in early February mm-hmm. and I was like right front and centre like when we were walking down um, Fitzroy Street, Ackland Street and literally just getting the crowd like vibing and just cheering on like this is the sort of stuff that I live for and I just cannot wait just to really get everyone involved, excited and really pumping up the adrenaline so that way they can just do whatever they want to do and just have fun with it. Yeah. And Annas, are you performing too? Oh, gosh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> My wildest dreams, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So um, can we get the details again um, yes, for the absolutely. listeners? absolutely. So the Whittlesea Pride Festival is on May 7th. That's International Family Equality Day. It's on the Meadowland International Athletic Stadium based in Epping. And it's from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tickets are absolutely free. It's all ages are welcome. Just please register your tickets on Eventbrite. Mm. And what about transportation? Is it easy to get there? Um, Is there buses or tram or train? Yes, absolutely. So there's um, the train station that's just in walking distance from the venue too. And buses will be going from the train station to the venue. So hopefully it's easy to find. There will be so much parking available at the space too. So feel free to drive over. Um, and and park and not have to get transport. What what about the weather though? <laughs> We're keeping all our fingers and toes crossed. Putting so it that, into the that, universe that it's going to be a beautiful day. Absolutely. Mm. But even if it does rain, we do have uh, several kind of shaded areas at the venue. So you got Plan B. Absolutely. Okay. We'll have large marquees <laughs> as well. So mm. don't be too disheartened by the weather. Should it be rainy, we've got things in place to make up for that for sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, Matthew, you have anything to say about this? festival you you've been smiling all 23 <laughs> minutes <laughs> i have been i'm very curious now I'm very curious mm-hmm. so um with this 
if I'm pretty sure it's going to be a success um, by the sound of it. it. Is. Yes, mm-hmm. and is this going to be that annual thing as well? That's that's really what we're pushing for, honestly. So this is the inaugural um, festival, mm-hmm. and hopefully one of the first of its kind in the area. So we're hoping that kind of it inspires similar other events mm-hmm. in future for the LGA, but also that it can be picked up and become an annual tradition for the space. But fingers crossed, that's absolutely the vision because we need we need more events Definitely. like this that are in the northern area. Even just drag shows, honestly. So let alone kind of a pride festival like the big event that we're putting on. There aren't enough drag shows and and gay bars and queer events in general in the northern area and outside of the CBD. So yeah, mm. hopefully this is the first step towards creating that kind of space. You know, um, like drag bot- bottom lunch, uh, bottomless brunch, mm-hmm. and also drag bingo is very popular now mm, in absolutely. especially here in Melbourne. Um, is that something that you, uh, Whittle C, probably would want to promote? Oh, gosh, that would be beautiful, honestly. Mm. It just doesn't seem like there's kind of enough visibility or yeah. awareness or kind of even resourcing and capacity to be able to have more queer programs in the area. Yeah. So hopefully having this festival will kind of show how important and how needed it is and how on board people are as well. So we've talked about some of kind of the negative backlash that we've had on social media, but on the flip side, there's been so much love and excitement and kind of uh, energy around wanting to get involved and support as much as possible. Mm. So really, it's been it's been so inspiring and motivating for kind of the future of Pride events in the area. And just adding on from what Anna said, which I completely agree with, I think like with this event coming around the corner really is going to spark a lot of conversations with uh, with council, but, us, but also other community organisations um, in the area with being able to really look at how can we look at increasing inclusivity mm. like for members of the LGBTIQA plus community, what can be done to be able to um, implement LGBTIQA plus supports um, in the in the northern region of Melbourne. So I really think that this event's really planting the seed with being able to look at facilitating those secondary discussions in terms of how can we make the inner northern suburbs of Melbourne a more inclusive, safe and welcoming environment for members of our LGBTIQA plus community living in the area. Mm. I always thought, you know, in Melbourne itself, like every suburbs are very inclusive already. Mm. Like, like being gay is like no issues anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I guess there's definitely issues. That this is why, um, you know, like y- yourself, you have to raise awareness within the Whittlesea uh, community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. And, and that, ma- that became clear as well. It's been a few years ago now, but that mm. became clear as well with the marriage equality vote, mm. where unfortunately some, some areas are more progressive than others. Yeah. But that's absolutely changing and becoming better. And the more things we have like this, the the, the, the faster that change can happen and the more people will feel included. But we just, we consider ourselves so lucky and honoured to be able to host an event like this. Mm. I mean, gosh, even speaking about Bridge Meals and yeah. speaking about being involved in this kind of work, um, if you told me that 10, 15 mm. years ago we would have been involved in organising some kind of Pride event, let alone a Pride festival, yeah. or let alone a Pride festival being the first of its kind for the area, I would have told you you were crazy. There was absolutely mm-hmm. no way. So it, it is it's fully an out-of-body experience for myself, and it's, a, it's an honour for everyone involved on the committee to be um, organising such an event. And same with Bridge yeah. Meals. I remember... Um, 
especially during the last iftar, mm-hmm. one of the other organizers came up to me and said, oh, would you like to say a few words? Because a few people were saying words mm-hmm. after the food. And I was too nervous at the time because I can get quite nervous. And I think of, all of us were nervous. Yeah, That's why I keep pushing speaking. everyone like, you speak first. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Yeah. But I just, I couldn't miss the opportunity to kind of face the room and see what a, what a beautiful crowd it was. And it just kind of carry that moment with me really forever because mm. it's such a special type of work to be doing and it is so important and so needed and if I had kind of pride events to be going to when I was younger I knew that it would have made a huge difference mm. in my life someone has to start you know someone has to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as I say you got to be the voice for the voiceless because mm. there, there are people in our community who like are, are afraid to um, express themselves because of that oppression that unfortunately still lingers on. Mm. And I really think it takes a lot of work with being able to be a member of the community and really stand up for what's right and being able to look at making that change and, and being able to really ensure and, and providing that safe net for our community to um, take pride in who they are and not be afraid and, and, and be and be part of their community and be part of, you know, creating a lot of significant change. As we've seen from decades and centuries ago, members of our community paved the way mm. to get to where we are. And I I believe that, like, with, with this particular event and, and being a member of the community myself, it is really such a fulfilling experience with being able to really showcase and really just commemorate um, the the beauty that we carry within ourselves yeah. um, and being able to look at making that difference and putting the key message out there. The best thing that you can do is be yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. That's just beautiful, Tommy. Um, yeah, that's very inspiring, <laughs> what you just said. This is why you will be the MC. Absolutely. <laughs> and and part of it is doing like an acknowledgement of the day as well, mm. which I'll be working with Frida on just to really put a commemoration about what the event is and really being able to um, embrace the qualities that we all have. Mm. Thank you so much, um, Anas and Tommy, for um, creating this amazing Pride Festival that I can't wait to go. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for having us, yes. Asha. It's been a vibe, mm-hmm. and we just really look forward to seeing you, seeing you there as well, mm-hmm. and just really being able to have a wonderful time together. And I just want to say thank you to Anas, Catrice, Tony, and everybody from WCC for being such a great support um, with my co emceeing role. Um, I'd like to say thank you to Joe Southwell, who's my colleague from Banyu Community Health with really supporting me on this journey. And I just really look forward to um, living it up Mm. rainbow style in a few weeks. (laughs) Yes. All right. So um, uh, when we come back, I'm going to be speaking to Matthew Roberts on um, the murder of Kimberly McRae, um, uh, one of our trans sisters that was murdered in 2020. And yeah, and I'm going to play you a song, um, called Sokar by Iliana. Iliana was uh, an Arabic artist that um, was perf- the, the the first Arabic artist that performed at Coachella this year. So, oh, yay! The, the Arab people are dominating um, the world now, like I right? So, all right, this is Sokar by Elena. Shit again. 
Sokar um, from Elena. Elena. Elena? Um, I think I, I pronounced that right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you've been listening to Coring the Air um, with Sasha Sidek. Um, so, we unfortunately have to go something a bit dark now. Um, so, um, yeah, and um, so um, we're going to talk about um, the Kimberly McRae um, case um, that is, I, I believe is, um, the case is um, going to be um, sentencing the, the murderer. I, I, want, I would like to call him a murderer. I will be, will be um, sentencing, um, I'm pretty sure, on the 5th of May. So, but I have here uh, Matthew Roberts here um, to talk about it more. Matthew is uh, a gay male sex worker and policy officer at Sex Work Peer-Led Organization, Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. He was the leading voice to help decriminalize sex work in Victoria in 2022 and is a passionate about fighting for fair laws for all sex workers. So, welcome, Matthew. Um, Thanks for having me, Sasha. Yay! So, Matthew, um, I know you've been amazing doing about decriminalization in here in Victoria. You've been working really hard with um, um, the bill here, and I guess uh, it paid off. Yes, many years of hard work yeah. finally paid off. Mm. Yes, and um, and um, yeah, bravo to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it's not finalised yet, right? It, um, um, it's going to be somewhere in December? Yes. So last year, the Parliament passed the Sex Work Decriminalisation Act 2022, which mostly decriminalises sex work in this state. Um, and the final stage of those changes to the laws will occur on the 1st of December this mm, year. Mm, okay, so so it will be just finalised. It. It's actually been decriminalised already. 
So it's been it's partially... It's con- like confusing a little bit, isn't it? There's like two stages. Yeah. So stage one has already happened mm-hmm. last year, and then the final stage, December. December, that means um, we're, we're free from, um, you know, um, being um, discriminated as a sex worker here. That's right. It, yeah. it, it, free, free is a good word. We'll feel, we'll feel a lot more free. Yes. <laughs> That's good. All right, Matthew, you know, um, I've been following this case on Kimberly McRae. She's a trans sisters, um, uh, also a very uh, uh, a dear friend of a friend of mine um, who is um, who who was murdered in 2020 by um, a client um, back in um, uh, Coogee in Sydney in her apartment and I'm devastated because of the verdict that um, he is found not guilty of, of murdering and instead getting sen- sentencing as a manslaughter what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean it's it's a really really disturbing and sad story and I and I was thinking Sasha for your listeners mm. I've got some background here about who the offender was. Yes. Uh the person who killed mm. her, who she was and where when it happened and sort of how it went down. Um would you like me to outline yes, just a please, bit about please. about I the think, background? I think yeah. A lot of because this um story wasn't on the big news it was a lot on social media like especially for like star observer or maybe channel nine covered the stories but it wasn't like an outrage on tv or something so i guess a lot of listeners don't even know who kimberly mccray is this is why i invited you here today to talk about who she is mm. and why we need to talk about this how why this is very harmful to especially to sex workers okay let's let's go yeah, yeah. With you. so um I have a pers- uh, an indirect personal connection to Kimberly because one of um, the members of my committee used to know Kimberly well mm. when Kimberly was living in Melbourne right. before she moved to Sydney. Okay, so she's actually from Melbourne? I don't know if she's from Melbourne, but she did live here for quite a few years. Okay, right. Um, I'm not sure of the full background there. So Kimberly McRae was a writer mm-hmm. and a trans sex worker. Mm. Um, she was 70 kilograms, 177 centimetres tall, so she was quite, you know, slim. Yeah. yeah. Um, she lived alone in an apartment in Sydney in 2020, and she was 69 years old. Um, so, and she's been described as somebody who was really loved by a lot of her close friends, and people in the community knew her, and everyone had great things to say about her. That was something that came through really strongly when I was chatting to people I know who knew her. Mm-hmm. And um, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to meet her. Um the offender was a 20-year-old international student from Colombia mm. on a student visa. He had served one year in the military in Colombia and he was um, living and studying in Sydney mm. in, in 2020. Yeah. Um, and shall I go talk about what actually happened? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, um, I, I'm pretty sure the listeners would like to know in yeah. depth about what actually happened to Kimberly. Okay. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I, I will talk about that because I think yeah. some, some <clears throat> of these details are actually um, important to understand because it talks to the homophobia and the transphobia mm. and the whorephobia mm. that I think was all present in this, in this case, this right. very shocking case. So um, uh, Kimberly... Um, was a private worker, yeah. like what I do, mm. and she was um, working from home. She had an ad up. The offender contacted her and arranged for a booking at her house. Um, he went there. He paid the money. He She provided the services, which was um, oral sex. Mm-hmm. 
And after the service um, was completed, um, he asked her about her transgender identity, which she revealed. Mm. And he immediately became angry Mm. and punched her in the face and in the stomach. And he ultimately um, grabbed a cord and... um, Strangled her. Well, I mean... The, the the court case um the the judge's the judgment mm. goes into a lot of detail about this it's dozens of pages and strangulation is probably not the best word it was um the wording was <laughs> yes. neck compression yeah. smothering and asphyxia hmm. right but it means holding a, a, a cable for some time against someone's neck hard enough for them to die so that's what there that, was the intention there already well, I can't talk to, to the intention, but I can talk yeah. to what the um, judge found. Yeah. Um, the the court found that there was no self-defense um, excuse mm. permitted. Mm. So it wasn't he wasn't acting in self-defense. There were no injuries on the offender. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't... It wasn't like a two-way, you know, in terms of yeah. him being injured. Um, after um, he... She was left unconscious... He took a sheet and covered her body completely. Mm. He said that he did not know whether she was dead or alive. He went and searched the apartment for her mobile phone and he destroyed it and he stole some cash and robbed her. Mm. Then he fled and then he fled the country uh, back to Central or South America. Okay, backtrack because you know what he, you said on that, um, um, on that um, article, right? He said he, he didn't know that he killed her. Right when he put the blanket on top of her, but there was a text message that he sent to his friend and said, "I kill a whore." So he do he does know that he killed her. Well, in his um, statement, what's clear is that what the judge found was it was very clear that his actions caused her to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He said that when he when he was in the room and it first happened, he wasn't sure whether she died immediately or not. The fact is, he didn't. Um, call an ambulance. He didn't call for help. Mm. He actually, by um, destroying the mobile phone, he, obviously that you know would have removed her ability to call for help if she had been alive. Mm. And then later on, um, he told his friend that he believed that she died because he assumed that that she died. No, but the the exact text message was, "I killed a whore." Yeah, yeah, I killed a whore. And yeah. you know what? This really makes me really angry because you know he. If he suspected that she was a trans woman, not that um, Kimberly uh, tried to hide her identity, she didn't. She just never write it down on her um, on her ad because she does see herself as a woman. But if but um, you know a lot a lot of trans women that I know who do not, do not does not identify themselves as a trans woman, they identify as a woman, and I totally respect that. But sometimes when uh, someone asks them if they are trans women, they will admit they are. So if he already suspected that Kimberly was a trans woman, he could have asked before he finished, before he goes through um, the service. But he finished and then he asked. Because I, this is just, you know, my theory, right? Um, my theory is because, and this has happened a lot to especially trans sex workers, where a guy who already finished and then the guilt kicks in and then they, a lot of time it becomes violence. 
um, because it's either they want their money back or it, it gets physical violence. So I guess this is what happened. Uh, for me, this is my theory. This is what happened. He re- he really knew she was a trans, and then she, he did go with it, and then he in, instead of you know um. Um, create another um, issues. He just asked if you're trans, and she said yes. And he want he probably wanted his money back, and it become physical violence. Well, I mean, I I can actually talk to. I've got the printed out yeah. um, judgment here. I can talk to a bit about what he was thinking when this was happening, according to what the court found. Yeah. So first of all, it was very clear that the that the offender's response was unreasonable and excessive. Mm. So the violence was found to be unreasonable and excessive. Uh, there were neck. There was a neck compression that occurred. Um, he said at one point, "I do not know if she is dead, but she must be after what happened." And then you, you're right. He said, "I killed a whore." That was the, the word that he used. Now, there's another element to this, Sasha, which is which is unfortunately religion, because he um, he wrote a, a letter and he said, "I grew up in a believing Catholic family." He said, "He he I dream of a world of peace." But he also said that um, he was upset because his religious beliefs dictated that it was not normal to have intimate sexual relations with another man. Oh, my goodness. Right? How hypocrite is that? He already <laughs> booked a sex worker. That, that's, that is a sin already. So it's just it's really disturbing and messed up that somebody apparently is committing acts of violence repeatedly against somebody, but he... F- feels that it's not okay for two men to have sex. So that's homophobia. That's transphobia because he's not identifying her as a woman, which is what she is um, there. Uh, He's got that religious guilt, apparently, that he's talking about there. These are learned behaviors, Sasha. These are these violent, um, deadly beliefs that he was holding. This came from somewhere. Mm. He learnt this, whether it was from his religion, his upbringing, the military, I don't know. These are learned behaviours. Mm. If people don't learn these behaviours, yeah. we wouldn't see this, this kind of killing occurring. Yeah. Right? 100%. Right? Um, so it's these attitudes that are so dangerous in society. Sex workers are not dangerous. It is the attitudes of clients yes. that can result in you know people um, taking these kind of violent actions and he said that um, while there is no this is what the um, the judge found while there is no doubt that the accused became angry when he discovered that Kimberly McRae was a transgender person so it was clear that he became angry when he um, became aware uh, that it was a transgender person that he was seeing so mm. a very and I don't believe that well, you know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, look, look uh, <laughs> because um, speaking from experiences too, I yeah. don't believe him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you see, one of the problems when you have a manslaughter or a murder trial is we don't get to hear Kimberly's version of the events mm, because true. she's not here anymore, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, we have look, we have a court system where a judge made some findings, and you know, and, and I respect those findings. But we also have Sasha, you and me, mm. you know, um, having a lived experience of this. Yeah. We know what it's like to be mm. in bookings. Mm. We know what it's like to deal with these kind of attitudes. Sure. I've experienced them. Mm. I've experienced homophobic clients, yeah. right, who have that guilt, you know, at some point. I've experienced um, some of those things. So this this case really rang true to me, and I suspect that some of the attitudes that we're dealing with here re- would ring true with a lot of queer sex workers as well. Of course. Right, because we're talking about, about attitudes that need to be challenged, mm. 
mm. right? Because it's not just dangerous, it's violent and it's deadly. Of course. With these things. And that's what makes our workplace more dangerous than it needs to be. Mm, mm. It's 100%. But what do you have any advice for, especially private sex workers, how can they uh, be more safe um, within their workspace? <sighs> you know, it's it's a really tough one because... I mean, look, a lot of sex workers are aware of um, the vetting process, mm. checking phone numbers, saving phone numbers on your phone, mm-hmm. save them so that you you know if it's someone calling back again. And there's a whole suite of things that a lot of sex workers know in their peer groups. The problem with this case here is that, like, you know, things that I've experienced, you can't actually predict it in, in advance, True. right? Um, there's no way that she could have known this was going to happen. Mm. It came suddenly... It was unjustified. Mm. It was it was extreme, mm. and before that, according to the um, the description of what happened, you know, there was no problems mm. during the actual booking. Exactly. You know, and then suddenly he turned violent. Yeah, like I said, my theory would it's probably right. Maybe the judge needs to listen to more of sex workers' experiences because. What does she know, right? Uh, she said she doesn't judge of her choice. She said a choice of making a living. Like, once you said that already, you're already judging her from what I see. Well, it's... Look, it, it's a tough one because, you know, when you read the judgment, um, the judge was very... made it very clear. And this is a well-respected, well-regarded mm-hmm. judge. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we have to respect all judges. Yeah. Um, that... Um, this is a, an objective assessment of what happened and that it you have to look at the individual facts of the case mm. and that the the occupation, so the fact that Kimberly was a sex worker is really only relevant in the sense that it was during that commercial interaction, the booking, that these events occurred. Beyond that, there's no judgment of her, there's no negative you know, feeling about her choices to be in that occupation. Yeah. So the judge has a very, very clear job to be objective and fair and look at the very particular facts of this case. Mm. And did you want to talk about the manslaughter or murder yes, let's talk issue? About because that. That, yes. that's a really... Oh. You know what? Um, I think when I talk about this with some of my peers, um, um, with the trans sex workers, they didn't even know what's the difference between murder and manslaughter. Mm. And I had to explain to them, maybe you can explain that as well while you are talking about this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So initially... The offender, um, I won't actually name him. I mean, don't worry about I'm, naming him. I'm not gonna, I'll just call yeah. him the offender. Okay, I call him the murderer. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll call. I'll call him yeah. the, the, the offender. Here, um, uh, I, I've described you know his profile to you anyway. So we've got. He was originally charged with murder, mm. and he was found not guilty of murder. Okay, now, and he was found guilty of manslaughter instead. Mm. So the question becomes: What is the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, the first thing um, is, um, Sasha, that this was in New South Wales, yes. and New South Wales criminal law applies. It's different in every state. In right. every state, with these definitions. Thank you for reminding. Sometimes I forget. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the same definition as what is um, here in in um, uh, Victoria. Yeah. One of the key elements in this case of the difference between manslaughter and murder is what they call mens rea mm-hmm. or guilty mind, mm. and. What this means um, is that to be found um, guilty of murder, you need to have have been found beyond a reasonable doubt to have a guilty mind. So that goes to intent. Mm. 
And what the judge found was that um, there couldn't be a conclusion that the offender was intending to kill the um, the victim. Mm-hmm. So that's where where the difference is. Yeah. If you kill someone and you're reckless and that you haven't you know used reasonable behavior, it can be manslaughter. If you haven't, if you're not intending to actually kill them. Okay. And so it was that question of intent, which of course is what someone's thinking, yeah. which is really hard to sort of prove either way, isn't it? And so that was the the difference here. I just find like murder is murder. You kill someone, and you know um, why there's a difference between manslaughter and um, a murderer. I think it's it's just ridiculous uh, for for me anyway. If I was to create a law, a murder is a murder. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I mean, we're dealing with, with, with the current laws here. Both of them in, involve unlawful killing. Yeah. One is more um, has the extra element. The murder has the extra element of intending mm. in, your, in your mind mm. to kill. Where the other one does not have that. So he, the um, offender, was was found guilty at a, at a hearing earlier this year, mm-hmm. and was convicted of um, manslaughter, manslaughter mm-hmm. which has a lower yeah. sentence, you Correct. know, jail sentence, than murder. Yeah. And he will be sentenced on the, on the 5th, 5th of May. May, which is really soon, yeah. in a separate hearing. And in that hearing, what will happen is, with sentencing hearings in general, uh, the court will hear about the background of the offender, what his prior history is, mm-hmm. a bit about his life, and they will take into consideration all of those factors, and as well as whether he was apologetic or not, things like that, whether he said sorry, and then they will impose a sentence. Why can't they sentence him already? Why did had to wait this long to sentence um, him? In, in uh, serious criminal trials like this one, yeah. in, in almost all cases, sentencing is done on a different day. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you do a lot of this um, 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 work with a lot of um, with the law, sex work law reform, <laughs> yes. of course. So I guess you know this is why I have you here because I know nothing much about the law. Well, I know some basic stuff, but not much. But um, yeah, and so so the sentencing is already finalized. So it won't they won't change um, from manslaughter to murder now. Okay, so the. The, the contest hearing where he was found guilty of manslaughter mm-hmm. and not guilty of murder, yeah. that has already occurred mm-hmm. and that cannot change mm-hmm. unless there's a, an appeal later down the track. Right. So that that's fixed for now. Okay. What will be happening in May on, <clears throat> was it the 5th, I think? A 5th, yeah. The 5th, the 5th, 5th, 5th of May, May yeah. is the sentencing hearing, which is when they choose, they decide on the sentence, which in the case like this will be how long in jail mm-hmm. should the should the offender get. We know that he's guilty mm-hmm. of the crime of manslaughter. Yeah. The next question in May is going to be how many years in jail, months or years in jail, mm. should he get for that particular crime? And I expect that there will be a jail sentence. Mm. Um yeah. For for this you know crime because you know, it's a very serious crime of yeah. course, the question is how long. Mm. Do do you have r- roughly knows um, how long he probably will be in jail for? I you know His what prediction. I I didn't read the um the maximum uh, penalty yeah. before coming, so I don't know what the, what it is. It'll be, it'll be a number of years. Yeah, and it, it's less than murder because it's a lower crime. Mm. Um and. It's just 
it's just really sad and frustrating, and it frustrating and and it, it and angers angry. me. Yeah. And um, n- not not what the courts are doing because they're of following course, the, yeah. the, the sentencing guidelines and the process, and we yeah. respect that. But just knowing that there are these attitudes out there, not just in this one offender, mm. Sasha, because we, yeah. we've we've yes. met them ourselves. Yes, we know these. You know, we've mm-hmm. we've come across this. It's out there, and I think what people need to do if they want to support sex workers and they believe in sex workers rights we need to at every opportunity challenge these views mm. when we encounter them whether mm. it's at the dinner table with friends mm. i've got friends sasha mm. who are not sex workers yeah. who said things about this crime that they thought it was okay oh no way i have heard that i oh, have heard wow. that right yeah and and so these attitudes are everywhere and we need to really really need to challenge that mm. and um, talk about people's assumptions and what is right and wrong yeah and what's justified and what's not and so that's something that we can all do in our lives because we, we know a lot of people mm. sex workers and otherwise yeah. these attitudes are out there yeah we know they're out there and they need to be challenged at every single opportunity 100 percent um yeah, I just I just don't understand. Like you know, um, um, being transgender is wrong for his religion, but murdering and also um, 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 assessing sex work services is okay with his religion. Well, <laughs> I, I have no idea what this twisted person really, really thinks. <laughs> he seems to be you know confused at best. Um, but you know. <sighs> People like can try to use religion. Religion's a part of it, but we're talking about widespread and grand attitudes. But you know what? Because he got caught, that's why it's just an excuse that he his lawyer probably taught him to say. I'm just not backing you up at all. I'm just I hate this person. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think most sex workers would probably um agree with you. Yeah. Um, and and also he, he as, as I said before at the beginning when he realized that he had mm. probably killed someone, he fled the country. He tried to get away with it. Exactly. And he like, stole that, the money. Literally that same day, that night. Yep, yeah. fled the country. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm glad he got, he, he got caught, though. But, yes. you know, um, Kimberly looks like a, a nice person, and I really know um, her best friend, too. She lives here in Melbourne. And um, I, I, I'm, I have this feeling that they both act the same. They're very soft-spoken. They just love um, glam up, you know, and doing sex work has always been um, their um, uh, primary job since day dot. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. This could happen to any of us, you know. Um, like, we've been doing this for so long, and um, and it's just your day, you know, might come someday. And, you can never know. This is why we need to, sex workers needs to stick together and amplify voices, our voices. If, 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 if people can't speak for us, we have to speak for our own. We certainly do. And, mm. you know, Kimberly, as I said, I never had the chance to meet her, unfortunately. But mm. everyone that I've spoken to who knew her said that she was such a nice person. She was so peaceful and gentle. Yeah. She was a writer. She, she wrote a book yes, she as well. She had, you know, like, yeah. like all sex workers, she's got lots of talents and skills. Mm. You know, it's not just about sex Exa- work. Exactly. And, um, and, as I said, we all need, we need to stick together. We need to challenge the, these ideas. Mm. And, um, it's just a really tough time to be talking about this, yeah. but I'm really um, glad that you invited me on yeah. here to talk about it because it's so important that we challenge these attitudes mm. that it, that pe- some people think it's okay to kill sex yeah. workers. Yeah. 
Thank you so much, Matthew Roberts, for being on Querying the Air today with me. Um, it has been very insightful to talk about uh, the law, especially because I don't know much about the law. I just know someone killed someone is considered a murderer. I don't even think um, the word manslaughter uh, existed. So, yeah, thank you so much for, for clarifying that. And we hope... Um, Kimberly will rest in peace now and and hopefully the murderer will rot in hell.